The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today, Lloyd, our show is all about light and what light shines for you. In fact, there's a book that I have right in front of me. That's called The Light That Shines Through the Fields of Fear. And it's by May Califf. And let me tell you a little about, a bit about her. She's coming to us all the way from Phoenix. Uh, May is an author and an energy and light worker, a motivational speaker, and the founder of the Global Youth Delegation for Peace and Tolerance. And for eight or nine years, May has been conducting energy balancing sessions on people from every walk of life from various locations around the globe. And she is the author of this wonderful book that I have in front of me called The Light That Shines Through the Fields of Fear by May Calif. And she also had, this is going to be one of a uh, series. And um, she also conducts seminars and workshops on uh, the four pillars of fear, identifying and releasing the fears that no longer serve you. And the healing series titled The Healer in You. And she's excited about the variety of projects that are coming up with these books. And the next book released in uh, in the Light That Shines series is about guilt and giving up internal loving, uh, giving up internal loving thoughts. So we're going to talk more about that. But her website is May Calev. That's M-A-I. C-A-L-E-V dot com where you can learn more. And of course, you can find more at conflicthealing.com where we have her picture, her bio, and the URL, and a little bit about her and a picture of her book. So thank you so much, May, for joining us from Arizona. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. Okay, so, so tell us a little bit about how you got into this whole area of light healing and and various types of healing and dealing with fear? Well, as far as the light healing goes, I would have to say that was divinely guided. I was certainly not, I did not set out on that path. And I did set out on a spiritual quest, though, thinking, you know, okay, what is the truth? Is there a higher power? Is there not a higher power? And as we have gone back and forth and bounced back and forth, um, just in society, um, you know, certain experiences in our life transpire, and is there really an existence of a higher power? So I kept asking, and I would take to prayer and meditation because, you know, that's part of what we're taught when we're little, if our parents, you know, have some sort of religion, which mine did, 
and um, and I just took it to a different level. But then as I noticed the whole balancing situation that transpired is that I was being, being given this gift of sight, and I'm not saying gift of sight like psychic sight, but I would see people in grocery stores or walking down the street or at a baseball game or whatever and see their energy field. And um, basically the colors within an energy field tell you a lot about the person. And quite often, more so than not, when I was given this gift of sight randomly to see people's energy fields, it was more that the person needed some sort of healing. And generally, it's emotional healing. And um, one of the things that I have learned through this process, and it's developed over the years because I just follow what I'm divinely guided to do and basically trust that what I'm being told is the truth. And for example, um, say I was doing an energy balancing on you, I might hear a word or get a vision or something, and I would give it to you, and you would say, well, no, that doesn't mean anything to me, and I would say, okay, but I don't put myself into it. I just give you what I get. That was the hardest part of the whole process in my learning and growing because as a human, and um, we always try to put ourselves into everything and try to make sense of it all, uh, and just generally speaking, and I'm just going to surface touch on that, and then I'll get into the book is um, when I quit doing that, when I quit putting myself into it and quit questioning whether or not the information I was being given was right and just leave it to the person receiving it, when I left it to them to interpret, then it started making sense. I might receive a call two weeks after a balancing session where someone would say, do you remember when you said or do you remember this, that, or the other thing? And a lot of times I would have to say, no, I don't remember because I I move on to the next being, the next thing, the next issue. And um, they would say, well, it happened or that that came to life or it made sense to me because X, Y, Z transpired. And then I would say, oh, okay. And and generally speaking, within the energy field and the people that I've recognized that come to me, there's a lot of fear out there. There are a lot of fear-based energies and conditionings. And, uh, of course, you know, with the um, work that you do, especially as as a mediator or, you know, to a, a negotiation expert or something along those lines, people react emotionally to things. And we've been taught to do that. And And when someone is experiencing these different fears, they react in fear and never really even know what it is that they're reacting to. A lot of times, there's lack of self-love that comes forth in a balancing session. A lot of times um, it's conditioning. You know, someone's been taught to believe a certain way, but it doesn't resonate within their soul or within their being, and they have a hard time and they struggle with identity because of it. Yeah, and sometimes it's just really hurt, hurt that turns into anger, too. That they Right, and so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, that's I, okay. So, the whole question was, how did the book come about? Well, yeah. it was just years and years of, I would, I would journal everything. Um, I, I do not breach people's confidentialities. I, I don't believe in that. If something transpires, my husband always asks me, how was the balancing session? It was great. He goes, do you ever have a bad one? I say, no, because <laughs> people get, <laughs> you know, they get what they're supposed to get out of them. Right. And everyone is different, which makes it exciting and new and fresh pretty much all the time. Um, but it, it's more like when I started reading my notes, because quite honestly, this book started out as habitual choice patterns. I know, and, and this is a far stretch from that, but that's really what my intention was, is because I was 
hoping to show people that we are the co-creators of our universe and that by our choice or even no choice is a choice, you know, right, we choose right. not to decide, it's a choice. And my goal when I started was to show people that we are co-creators of our universe and that if you're in a certain type of relationship that brings you misery and you're unhappy, well, you choose to stay there. You know, we're not living in a country or in a culture, at least in America, where we where we have to worry about that. We can make the choice to move on. If we're in, if our, you know, children, I would have to say, are the only exception to some of these rules because, you know, they don't have that freedom to just say, well, mom and dad, I'm leaving. Bye. See you later. You know, if they're brought up in a family where there is lack of parenting or something of that nature. And at at the hopes of not sounding self-righteous, we all go through our learning curves and we're all here. It's a journey and we're all here to grow, grow, learn and develop. Um, And so the book on fear kind of was born based on just my journaling notes that I thought was going to turn out to be something completely different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how life will take us on a path that we think we're going one way and then then, uh, you know, spirit or life says, no, 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 this is where you're supposed to go. But right. I wanted to, you know, I wanted my audience to, to, to know that this is not just hocus pocus and, and energy. You, everyone who's listening to this has that knows that energy. So if you walk into a room where everybody's laughing and playing and relaxed, that is an energy that you feel, you feel it. It feels good. It feels welcoming. And then there are times that you're going to walk into a room that you could, you know, people will say, oh, you could cut that room with a knife, you know, yes. it's so mm-hmm. tense. Well, that's, that's what a lot of my life is. When I walk into mediations, I have to try and bring my energy and put up golden shields and try and help to transform the energy because people are in fear. They're, they're in hurt. They're in anger. They're in conflict. And that is an energy that has to be transformed. Um, the other thing I was thinking about people, you know, we, we know that there are sayings like, oh boy, he was so mad. He was seeing red. So right. when you were talking about colors, you know, seeing red is your anger. Like I, I would never wear red into a mediation ever, but Good I, thought. but when I, when I deal with mediating with, um, Chinese people, which I have, I have brought gifts of red, but I don't wear red. but I'll bring gifts of red because that's good luck. So I will always bring little things that are red candies that are in red or something for their culture, but I won't wear red. So there is a lot to this whole thing about colors and energies. And, you know, there's certain like spa green. Well, why is it spa green? That's soft green. So when you walk in, you feel like just being, you know, a noodle, (laughs) <laughs> and and you know resting and relaxing so those are all things that that are not just hocus pocus they're re- reality so i just wanted my audience to understand that at you know even if they're um you know very left-brained and they they aren't in touch with this they might recognize that this is a real thing they can feel that energy right and interestingly enough my husband is a doctor so he's more of the scientific mindset, you know, concrete proof and right. so on and so forth. But over the years, and God love him because he has been so supportive of me in this, I'm not the person today that he fell in love with 17 years ago. Right. I mean, my life has completely shifted. And there are times I know that he has stepped back and kind of shook his head and go, oh, what's going on now? Right. Um, where is <laughs> this coming from? Because it's not... 
it's not traditional, it's not standard, it's not what we consider societal norm. And, um, but, but I, but I also, I, I want to interject something with saying that. That's like a little a segue for me because there are a lot of people out there who are operating in a place in their, their own energy field, um, who feel like they don't fit in. And some people would just look at them and, you know, I used to watch the people walking up and down the streets talking to themselves. And true, there are some out there with some very, serious psychological issues, you know, schizophrenia and and certain other issues that, you know, would be great if we could address them all and help people. But then there are those people who are just out there, and I was one of them. When I was starting this whole process of energy balancing, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that it was coming from my own determination and asking for something. I've always, interestingly enough, as a child, I had a lot of compassion for humans and and wanting to be a part of society and just really wanting to fit in and and help people and do all of this wonderful stuff. But somewhere along the line, in like, I'd say early teens on up, I turned into this person who I didn't like society. The less people I knew, the better off I felt. Um, And I was like hiding behind this wall of my own negativity. And and, um, that's a whole other story and show altogether. But as I started recognizing it and coming out of this space, because I felt like I didn't fit in, for some reason I felt like there was just something different or something was missing in my life. And um, when I finally was able to connect with my higher self, and I call my higher self that same higher being that connects us all, when I was able to get a handle on that and recognize that I could love and communicate and interact with that higher energy and that higher self, which is me, without having to to label it. I didn't have to call it God. I didn't have to call it Holy Spirit. I didn't have to call it any, anything other than my higher self, connecting and staying in tune with myself and that still small voice that is within all of us. We're all connected. That's, that, that is my belief. I've seen it. I believe it. I can look at people and I look beyond their surface. I look into their souls. And some people would argue, uh, I have a very, very dear friend, and she says, you know, there are evil people in this world. And I said, you know, you might be right. I don't know for a fact that there aren't. But I would argue with you that the majority of the people that you would judge as being evil are very, very, very misunderstood. And it would take a lifetime of undoing certain things for these people in order to break down the walls that they've built up and the behaviors of, of survival and so on and so forth. And yes, they do evil things. Let's, let's not hide that fact there. You know, the societies right. are imploding all over the world, right. but they're all based in fear. Right. All of that, all of that energy is fear energy and it is just permeating our globe. We're absorbing it. And um, it's, it's scary, actually, in, in that from where I sit, I know I'm divinely loved, divinely guided, and divinely protected. But if you don't have that sense of knowing, then you succumb to all of it. It's all out there. You know, like I said, I get calls from people on, a, on various levels, various walks of life, you know, for energy work. And um, it, it, it's amazing some of the information that I hear. And, and all of it is really based in fear. self-doubt, lack of self-love, you know, and it's either something that someone's been telling them their whole life and they've developed this belief system about themselves. And And, so undoing it is difficult. Yeah, (laughs) and and when when they are like that, and I would have to say, 
you know, when you were talking about that there are people say there's evil people. And from my perspective, um, that when you were talking about, you know, you got in touch with your higher self and then you felt more connected and you felt more like you found yourself. I think these people who do evil things are so disconnected from their higher self. You know, you talked about it being fear and I kind of visualize it as, as they're so disconnected from their higher yes. selves, that, yes. that that's when they act in these ways that are so, um, you know, really incomprehensible, incomprehensible you know, right. like, you know, whether it's, you know, terrorism or killing or, or just being mean or whatever. I know you're right. I mean, I know you're, you're talking about fear, but I also think that because they're not in touch with the truth of who they really are is that's why they're such a mess and that's why they do such bad things. So I always try, and especially in my field where I'm supposed to be neutral when I'm in a room with the people who are very conflictual, they do dirty things to each other. They are, uh, do things that are and sometimes very incomprehensible. I have to remind myself that they are made of the same stuff as me, that if you call it spirituality, and you, you know, you talk about, you know, a spiritual being having a spiritual or a human experience, they're all just like us, but they, they think differently. And they think differently because of their past or whatever. But I try to separate the person from the behavior. Otherwise, it's very hard for me to be neutral. I would imagine that would be difficult, and we all we all live in some form of casting judgment. I try very hard not to, but too, like I say in my book, I am human, and it is not always easy because we interact with people, we hear the news, we, you know, there are just certain circumstances in the world that preclude us, or sometimes we forget. Like, I try to make it a practice every day before my feet even hit the ground to give thanks for something in my life. And I make it a practice to say my morning prayers and meditation. Now, my mother would be really grateful that I'm doing that because when I was a teenager, she called me a heathen, you know, because (laughs) she just thought I was just this unruly kid who didn't have a belief in anything. And I really didn't. And I was more, I was um, just, you know, typical teeny bopper who just wanted to refute whatever their parents were trying to teach them. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And not, and not all teens are that way, so I, I don't want to say typical, but I was just one of those. I'll label myself. I'm surprised my parents even still talk to me because I was not the best kid growing up. I was the youngest of eight kids. And, um, you know, they're like, what happened to this one? You know, <laughs> I'm like, what happened here? But I also think it, it, it comes into marching to the beat of your own drummer, and when someone tries to put you in a box, and and make you live in this space that you internally understand you don't belong there. Um, I think there's some rebellion, we'll call it a rebellion based on that movement, where where everyone's got to think alike, everyone's got to be. The world would be really boring, I think, yes. if we all had to believe the same way, think the same way, behave the same way. And that's not to say that you know, I condone people's bad behavior because I don't. If if you're out to harm or hurt or, you know, inflict pain on another human being or an animal, I don't agree with that at all. Um, and one of the things that I want to just backtrack really quickly to where you were talking about the disconnection, I have another girlfriend. We have these conversations. They're kind of intense, and they it's like being caught in a vortex that you get 
lost in time. And one day we had this conversation. It lasted four hours. It seemed like it was three minutes. I had the one girlfriend saying, you know, oh, they're just evil people in this world. And then I had the other girlfriend saying, I think they're born without souls. And like, well, how does someone get, you know, come to the earth and is born without a soul? I mean, honestly, because to me, it's that soul. I get the soul physical disconnect. I understand that, like you were talking about the disconnection. But how does someone literally come to the planet without a soul? And that's kind of an interesting topic for me that someday I'll, you know, I'll probably do some prayer meditation and try to get answers to that at some point in time in my life. I just thought it was really an interesting Yeah, I I don't see it like that at all because I know that there are people who transform. Um, I had an interview with a wonderful man, Azim Kamisa, and his son um, was in college in San Diego and was killed by a 14-year-old gang member who did it just to become a member of the gang. That was the initiation. And, of course, he forgave him because that was part of his growth opportunity. He is a an incredible person and really a wonderful mentor. And he's written books on forgiveness. But one of the things that, that he has talked about is that Tony, who was the, the guy who killed... Um, his son, Tariq, um, he actually forgave him because he knew he had to for his own sake. But as he forgave him and as he got to know him in prison, and he's trying to get him out by by the way now, the man has totally transformed. He was only 14, and now I forgot how old he is. He's in his 20s, and he's almost like a monk. He is incredibly different in prison, and that's because he just has... He was forgiven, he was loved, he was transformed. And so I don't think that you could be born without a soul and have that happen. I think that there are a lot of people who go through these times and they, if, if, if rehabilitation really does happen and transformation really does happen, they can change. So from my perspective, I don't believe that. I just believe that, um, you know, my perspective is, is that we always can grow. And we always can learn. And if we don't, we come back a bunch of times until we get it right. Right. <laughs> and different bodies. <laughs> so that's, done with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That body, you know, forget it. I, you know, I think you have to keep, it's like Groundhog Day. You got to keep coming back until you get it right. And and that's that's at least my perspective. And um, But let's talk about the four pillars of fear. Because fear is something that people have. And I love the acronym FEAR, F-E-A-R. False expectation appearing real. Right, and I've heard it false evidence appearing real. Yeah, it's a similar, Um, similar thing. Yeah. Right. Um, What I have learned through this process of journaling and digesting and reading everything that I have journaled over the last eight or nine years is that there the four pillars now let's face it there are there are fears and there are traumatic experiences that I am not a psychologist or a doctor and I do not want to speak about although I have an I have a an internal understanding of, say, post-traumatic stress disorder and things of that nature but I picked the most four common elements of fear, which is guilt, greed, shame, and self-doubt. And I want to just interrupt you just for one second, May, to say that we're not talking about a fear that something's coming after you with a knife or a gun. That's, no. a, that's a physical fear that's, that, that's normal, that, right. you know, you, the 
free, you know, the flight or the flight or fight or fight freeze. Or yeah, fight, right. flight or freeze. We're not talking about real fear, like God forbid you're in an airplane and it's going to crash. We're not talking about that. We're talking about emotional fear that has nothing to do with some reality. Or, Correct. You know, something mature. Well, so I don't mean reality. It has to do with the conditioning right. of what we believe our reality to be. For example, the universe has plenty, and we've all been promised a life of abundance. We haven't been promised a life of abundance where we sit, eat our grapes with our feet up, and maybe dip in the pool and not have to work for it and not have to contribute to society and not have to, to give and, and live a life of loving service. That's not what the life of abundance that we've been promised means. However, when we look at these energies of fear, and I brought that up for a reason, because I want to just look at one, greed. Because a lot of people would not believe or understand that greed is based in the energy of fear. But what I have recognized is people who behave and come from a place of greed that that are very selfish instead of selfless, that hold on. And and I'll give you an example. I had a client who came and got a balancing and um, was afraid to release anything outside of themselves. Everything was there. I mean, even their family, like the they were having issues in their relationships, family relationships, because they were very self-serving, self-absorbed, selfish, greedy human being. And he didn't understand how those those behaviors were resonating in something that he was taught to believe. So it wasn't, wasn't really the client's fault per se. It was a conditioning that this person went through over, you know, his childhood and growing up and seeing things. The fear that somebody was always going to take something from him. Uh, the fear that, you know, there was never enough. So this person became greedier and greedier and greedier and started behaving in a way that was just counterproductive to him having a healthy relationship with his family. And so it's those types of Behave, those types of pros, thought processes, we're not even we're not even aware. A lot of times that we're caught up in those thought processes. So, and, and that it is fear based—the fear of not having enough. Right, right, right. The, the fear that the well will run dry. Uh, so you dig another well. Right. Um, and and the fact that we're so capable of making choices to change things. Okay. Um, And I don't remember this woman's name, and I'm really, I apologize for this, but I I believe she was, I think, at one point in time, the CEO of Google or some big tech firm. I think she's the one that made this, had the statement that said, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. I was dealing with that myself um, in business, and I thought, you know, I'm going to apply this because I can't change what's happening. I can't can't change it, and I don't like this. And I I really want to enjoy what I'm doing in life because we, you know, have our opportunities to just, you know, our memories and all of that. Nobody can take those from us. I really want to live my life to the fullest with purpose and passion. That is my goal. And so if I don't like something, if I can't change it now, I stick to to that saying, okay, change the way you think about it. And I try to seize the opportunity that is, you know, found within the adversity or something that is uncomfortable to me. And, you know, so May, we- another way to, to think about this that, that I do as, as I get older, and let's say that I'm in a situation where I don't like it, you know, because I get clients that are really challenging, believe me, and uh, that are greedy or th- like you're talking about. And I have to say to myself, um, 
I am going to choose to to think about this as a lesson for me, that this is a lesson for me. This is a growth opportunity so that even if it's a challenge to do it, um, it is part of my job and that is my learning experience. So, you know, like if you can't change something, then change the way you think about it and remember that this is really for you, not against you or to you. And and that right. helps me to look at things. It just changes when you change your attitude, you change your whole uh, ambiance about it, right? The energy shifts. Right. The whole energy shifts. So what you attract to you is different as well because it's that law of attraction with energy. Like a magnet, what you put out comes back. Now, it might not necessarily come back to you very quickly. Some people, you know, practice the laws or you know, laws of prosperity and manifestation and things of that nature, and they expect that they can change their behavior one day, one time, and something is going to come from it. But it, it's a little deeper than that. You yeah. know, it goes, it goes beyond that. It takes a whole life shift. You have to transform yourself ultimately, um, and it has to be something that people stick with. And you know Um, what? We um, are just about out of time. So I just want to mention your book again because it's wonderful. It's called The Light That Shines Through the Fields of Fear by Mae Caleb. And Mae, why don't you just give your website and then it's time for us to go. Great. It's um, www.maycaleb.com. M-A-I-C-A-L-E-B. Okay. Thank you so much. And we'll have you back again. So keep up the great work with all of these, these series of these light books. It'll be great. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can download podcasts, listen to archived interviews, see our upcoming guests, write emails to us, and just look at life as a great opportunity no matter what's happening. Thanks. Expressing this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.